The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Ethos Chicago Bulls coverage show. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I am joined, uh, as always, by my buddy here and co-host, Mr. Trey Hill. Uh, and it's been a while, Trey. It's been about, I would say, almost a month, about a month since our last show. Uh, we've had a little bit of a, a morning period here for our beloved bullies, and uh, now we're ready to get on the horn again here and just talk about uh, how we move forward and move past this season. But, uh, man, how have you been? Have you been watching this uh, this NBA playoffs? I have been. I've been paying pretty close attention. And I feel like, especially after we took over kind of doing the game recaps here at Sports Ethos, uh, is what it was called now, what it was called uh, before. I don't even remember what it's called now. It's been so long. Hoopball, hoopball. Hoopball. <laughs> but I... It, like, we had so many shows, I felt like we got a well-deserved break. And by we, I mean me. Because really the reason we haven't, along with the Bulls morning, you got to celebrate having a child. But with that comes uh, a lot of a lot of busy times. So yeah. it's nice to be able to get to talk some basketball. And I'm glad to, to get that I get to see your face again. So it's nice <laughs> to be back around. And... I've been watching, and after the Bulls' kind of disappointing showing in the playoffs, except yeah. for those two games, it's been nice to watch the games and not have a, a rooting interest. Yeah. Uh, it's been pretty relatively stress-free, I'd say. Um, I really enjoyed that Bucks uh, and Celtics series. Um, you know, that was kind of the one I was looking forward to the most. Um, you know, did it, did it live up to all my expectations? No, I think the Bucks kind of – uh, just ran out of gas there. So it was less entertaining than I thought it would be. But, man, a uh, lot of good stories, man. I mean, I never thought the Mavericks would make it this far. Um, so I'm really excited and, and, and starting to become kind of a Luka Doncic fan here, which I never thought I would be. Um, and Miami, I can't uh, I can't sell Miami short. I've never really truly believed that they were going to be, uh, you know, true contenders for the title. But it's looking more and more like that's the case, Trey. Uh, so, you know. Again, I'm willing to willing to eat my words. I'm not necessarily going to eat my words on the Kyle Lowry comments I made because he hasn't really been the reason they're winning here. Uh, he's actually been hurt for like half the series, but but uh, but my meter are, are rolling, man. So uh, what surprised you the most about the playoffs here? I think Luca and the Mavericks getting this far has been the biggest surprise. Just it seemed like they were a year away, but Jason Kidd being a plus coach was a big surprise for me, and I think. They were just, they had they were so tired of Rick Carlisle and everything that came with you know yeah. what he brought and then also trading Porzingis it just seemed to really energize the team yeah and it seemed like Luca took it personal the Devin Booker thing and when you when you have a player that's truly great like you know the the top top tier the guys we're gonna remember forever I think Luca's one of those guys and I think that that Sun series is going to be you know one of the first things they show on the montage, you know, him looking at Booker with that smile, the Lucas special, all that. So I think that's definitely been the most special thing for me. 
And you mentioned the heat. They their ability to just gr- grind things down to to make a team play uncomfortable basketball and just not the way they want to play. It it's just very impressive. And Jimmy Butler might not be a superstar in the regular season, but when the style of play changes yeah. to how it is in the playoffs, he becomes right. a superstar. And that that matters. And the Miami Heat um God, I, I it sounds so so stupid to say it out loud, but they're they're kind of built for this the playoff situation. They're 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 built for this kind of stuff. Whereas you watch the Celtics and I I think the Celtics have a better team, but the right. Heat just do such a good job of making them play uncomfortable. And when they do that, when the Celtics look bad, man, they look bad. Yeah, uh, that is true. And and yeah, there have been really, some really tough times for these Celtics here. I still think for me. The Celtics are probably the odds-on favorite here to win the, the championship. I think believe that uh, Vegas does have them as the best odds still uh, to take home the championship. But uh, but anyways, this is a Bulls podcast, so we'll go ahead and steer this back to the Bulls. But yeah, it's been an exciting playoffs. But uh, well, let's just steer it right to Zach Levine. I've yes. got I've got a good transition for you. Are, are, were you doing an ad read? I was Sports Ethos. Oh and, uh, oh, you're take, Please take a moment to go follow at Ethos Fantasy PK on Twitter. The single most fan- dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's fast in the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy PK on Twitter. Uh, go follow it now. And Trey, I know we're out of practice here. You uh, you did catch on to it though because you were like, oh, it sounds a little bit like it might be an ad read. Yeah, that was a, a little bit of my going into an ad read there, but uh, no worries, man. But yeah, Zach Levine, let's talk about it, man. What were you going to say? Go ahead. So I, how much of the Celtics have you gotten to watch? I know you've been busy, but... I, I would say I watched um, a good portion. I would say probably at least half of that series of the so, Bucks. And- so when, when Tatum has had a bad game in these playoffs, and I'm talking specifically mostly on the, the offensive end, uh-huh. it reminds me so much of watching Zach on the Chicago Bulls. And That's interesting. T- Tatum is a better Tatum's a better player because he's a better he's a significantly better defensive player, and he and he's taller. You know that stuff matters. Right. But I do think Zach is better at attacking the rim. He's a better finisher around the rim, I think. But just in terms of their offensive play styles, their roles in the offense, to me, I feel like Jason Tatum and Zach Levine, their play styles and just kind of the way they go about their offense, I feel like they're very similar. If they don't get off to a good start, you know, they settle for jumpers. They try and shoot themselves. I I, I feel like when, especially when things go bad, watching Jason Tatum, it really reminded me of watching Zach this year. It, does, it feels like, um, you know, just to kind of piggyback off that, it does feel like Jason Tatum does get inside his own head a lot of times. And I think that's the case with Zach, too. I think it's just kind of emotional players. Uh, and Zach, I mean, uh, Jason can, you know, just easily be taken out of a, a, a game. Uh, just like you said, have, getting off to a slow start, uh, people getting him off his spots. Uh, and I do feel like that's the same of, of, of Zach Levine. But that's an interesting comparison because, obviously, the, the big news here, Trey, uh, is we've had some news here, uh, one from a LeVar Ball uh, interview which I just watched with David Kaplan of, of ESPN uh, and the other one with uh, uh, Casey Johnson in an interview. Uh, LeVar said, you know, Zach's out. Basically, he's saying, you know, no, no question about it, Zach's going to LA, uh, which I think is absolutely insane. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, and then Casey Johnson said that the, which I think is a little bit more weight behind it, Casey said that, you know, the Bulls no longer view re-signing Zach as a slam dunk, quote unquote, uh, which I think is a little bit more worrisome for me because uh, obviously we 
I think we both can agree we want to keep on we want to keep Zach Levine. He is a special talent, a special offensive talent specifically. Uh, I think whoever you get to replace Zach Levine in the side and trade, assuming that they go that route, is not going to be an adequate replacement for him. Um, but yeah, so I think. But going back to your comparison with Jason Tatum. It's interesting to compare those guys because, you know, we've been having this conversation all season, Trey, about, you know, is Zach Levine a max player or not? And the thing that the thing about this, these news bits that are dropping here leads me to believe, Trey, for whatever reason, I just have this sneaking suspicion that the Bulls, I don't know why, but I feel like they're not offering him the max. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that the max is on the table for Zach Levine? Yeah, I do. I think every indication we've gotten from the front office has been. And to me, reading all of this, seeing everything, all of this interest from other interest in other teams. This is the first time Zach's gotten to be a real free agent, because the last time he hit free agency, it was restricted. And not only was he dealing with the front office that, you know, both of us soured on, but he was dealing with that front office and. That front office didn't value him in the sense of we we want to keep you no matter what. They said, go find an offer, and if we like it, we'll match. And if not, we're happy to not have you around. So he signed with the Kings. The Bulls matched. We know, you know, we know all this, but he hasn't gotten to be a real free agent to where wherever he wants to go, he can just go. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he signed with Clutch, if I remember correctly. Yes. This is his camp making it known Hey, Chicago, if you don't come with the max offer from, you know, 1201, if you try and, and screw around with us, we are more than happy to look yeah. around. So to me, I think this is Zach's camp making it clear that you offer the max or mm-hmm. we're going to have some shopping. I hope it is a lot of smoke and mirrors and just uh, clutch trying to get Zach his maximum penny, which he deserves every bit of. And I know we've talked about that at nauseum on this program, but, uh, you know, you're just not going to find a three level score like Zach Levine uh, anywhere else. I mean, uh, if we're talking about L.A., we're talking about the Lakers, and let's be honest, Trey, the Lakers just don't have the assets or the cap room to make this happen unless it's like a sign-and-trade. And if it's a sign-and-trade, if you're the Bulls, I mean, who are you getting back? You're getting back, like, if you get back Anthony Davis. Well, that's I mean, why you said sure, they don't have the know. assets, because they don't right, yeah. they don't have the assets to yeah. to make it worth the while. And So it, it's absolutely yes. And I, and, and I know LeVar said, you know, um, you know, oh, Zach doesn't want to be second fiddle to DeMar DeRozan, which I think is also asinine. There's never been any peep of that. There's been, never been any indication that's been the case. I don't think Zach should even view himself as a second fiddle to DeMar DeRozan. I think it's been uh, a you go, I go type of thing. And Zach was banged up most of the year, so it's been mostly DeMar. Uh, and, you know, the city obviously loves DeMar, but the city loves Zach Levine just as much. I don't think there's any uh, – I think you're splitting hairs when you say, oh, this guy's better than the other one. I, I don't there think was not a lack of love for Zach right. in the city with, with DeMar coming on. I, I agree with that 100%. So, yeah, so I just I, think that um, – I don't take a lot of stock in those LeVar Ball comments. I think, if anything, like you said, it might be Clutch, obviously, represent. I believe that he represent, they represent Lonzo also, but uh, it might just be LeVar helping Zach to push those buttons to try to get that max deal done or uh, or, or just something else. Or maybe it's just LeVar pushing his own agenda. He talks a lot. I actually just watched that 30-minute uh, I can't tell you how many times, it's countless times, that he mentions try, the Bulls trying to get all the ball bonded brothers together. <laughs> to make a run, uh, LiAngelo, LaMelo, and Lonzo, uh, which, you know, I, I mean, cool. I'd love to see that. I mean, sure, why not? I'd go for it. But uh, but he's, like, totally, like, you know, speaking to existence, that kind of guy. And he's, like, 
totally bent on that that uh, idea. So, uh, and he wants to drum up his own kids. He's got his own brand. So, uh, I think there's a little bit of that in play too there, Trey. But, um, but yeah, you were gonna say something about that. Oh, to me, when we when we talk about places where Zach might go, like, say Zach ends up wanting to leave, and he's just like, all right, I, I'm you didn't offer me the max. I'm I'm going elsewhere. I don't think the Lakers are really a plausible one. To me, the the other teams he's been linked to are the Trailblazers, the Hawks, and the Mavericks. And I think all three of those teams are much more likely to be targets than than the Lakers would be. So, to me, I just I'm a if I had to rank my worry on a scale of one to ten that we're going to be you know the Bulls' hand is going to be forced and we're going to have to look and try and get a sign and trade, I'd say I'm at about a two and a half three. And the reason we're bringing up sign and trade here, guys, is because um, if you're not aware, uh, every team in the NBA can offer Zach, 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 wow, Zach, a $160 million uh, four-year deal. The Bulls can offer him, thanks to you know, his bird's right, bird rights, uh, a $212 million four-year deal. So that's if he goes to another team just outright, that's leaving $50 million on the table. So I'm not going to say it's impossible Zach leaves, Trey. I think – that's totally possible. I think if he really does want to play somewhere else or with somebody else, I think the Bulls will have, you know, incentive to get that done. I think everyone's got incentive to get that done. But I like these rules that are in place with the NBA. And I think, you know, the good thing is that if that does happen, it's going to be a sign and trade scenario and the Bulls don't end up, you know, having nothing at the end of the day. Um, so what do we want to get back in a Bulls sign and trade uh, with Zach Levine? We want to get back a player of that caliber. And so that's why I'm saying, like, when you're talking about the Lakers, that's just not a reasonable thing because they've got Anthony Davis. They've got, uh, obviously, LeBron James. I mean, if you get one of those guys back in a sign trade with Zach, I mean, yeah, sure, I- I'm okay with that. Um, but that's probably not going to happen. So it's just that that's all smoke and mirrors to me. I mean – do we want do we want to just dive into do, my doomsday like doomsday scenario? Zach wants to leave. Where yeah. do we go from there? Yeah, if, if Zach wants to leave and and so so are you saying Zach wants to leave and he takes a fifty million dollar you know bath and just says screw it, I'm taking hundred sixty million four years somewhere else. Is that what you're saying? I mean, not even maybe maybe he doesn't even do that. Maybe he just says. Um, Atlanta, I really, I, I want to play with Trey Young, and I oh, think they. Gosh. I think it'd be such a bad pairing, but like, go ahead, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's one of the teams he's been linked to, so I'm just using them as yeah. an example. So say he, he goes to the Bulls and he's like, look, I want to play for Atlanta. This is, you know, we're gonna make, I'm going to make this happen. So right. how about we work together and we do a sign and trade? So right. he might still get signed to, you know, the max, and then immediately get traded to Atlanta right. for it. So. To me, in that situation, you're not getting, you're not going to get that kind of value back. No. In ter- in terms of, so to me, I'm looking at a Kong Wu, and yeah. you know, you so you can get your big of the future and maybe get the the 16th pick and another first round pick out of it, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, re- yeah, really that would be about it. So to me, at that point, you've moved Zach, you're resetting the timeline. So you've got Lonzo who's 24, you've got Caruso who's 28. Uh, but Patrick Williams is 20. Kobe White's 22. At that point, you look to trade DeMar DeRozan. Maybe you can get whatever assets the Lakers have. And maybe you trade for a year of Russell Westbrook, get him for the cap room coming off. Um, you trade Vooch for something or just keep him and have him roll off the books. And then, boom, you've got some cap room to go along with. Um, Patrick Williams, if you trade Zach, maybe you, uh, maybe he wants to go to Sacramento. 
they're looking to make a splash. Maybe you can get that number four pick and like a Davion Mitchell out of Sacramento, and he wants to go be the man since he doesn't want to play backseat to DeMar DeRozan. Because in this scenario, I think that's got to be a factor. So to me, you blow it up at that point. You move DeMar, you move Vooch, and you just go, Caruso's your your elder statesman at 28. And that's what the Grizzlies did with Steven Adams. He was their oldest guy at 28 years old. You can have that guy be your leader if it's someone like a Steven Adams or an Alex Caruso. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And that actually kind of plays into something else I've been thinking about, Trey. And, and, you know, obviously it's been a while since we've talked to you guys here on the Sports Ethos Chicago Bulls coverage show. And, um, you know, we didn't really give you uh, – you've, you've been left with any – no kind of closure here on the season. Uh, we didn't really give you our, our kind of overall thoughts on the season. So kind of uh, one of the things that I think, Trey, when I look back at the season just as a whole – I mean, obviously, I think, you know, we can probably both agree it was a success. I mean, the Bulls, we were hoping that they'd get into the playoffs. That happened. Um, I don't think we really had any hopes beyond that. We were, uh, you know, at one point I was hoping that the Bulls would win a playoff series. But then when that playoff series ended up being the Milwaukee Bucks, the returning champions, uh, we ended up having no Lonzo Ball. Uh, you know, I adjusted my expectations, and I think every fan should do that. You know, you can't just expect them to win every game all the time, depending, no matter who's down or, or whatever. It's just, it's just not reasonable. So uh, I adjust my expectations. I felt like the Bulls met my expectations. Don't feel like they exceeded them. I felt like it was, you know, if I was to give the, the Bulls season a grade, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say it's a C plus into a B minus, probably more of a C plus for me. Uh, you know, met my expectations and a little bit because we had some really nice moments with DeMar DeRozan uh, having some just MVP like moments, uh, you know, just ha- had some really great moments there. So, and we were in first for a while there uh, in the standings, but, but one of the concerns are I have we, with are this we team, taking, are we taking, so after the season ended, I saw April 27th, I was looking it up. It came out that they were saying Zach's knee after he got hurt in the season was at 50% and that was a good day. So are we are we assuming that was true that he was really that limited because we, he was definitely limited. There were but, days when it looked like that, and there were days when it looked like he was Dak Levine of old. I had a tough a tough time gauging it, and I think you know if you were put, laying down bets on this guy, it was hard to do it. Um, th- there were days that it definitely looked like he was struggling, and there were days where he looked like he was Zach Levine of old to me. So, if you're saying fifty percent, that kind of makes sense because, you know. It's like one day, one game he's on and one game he's not. Like one game it's working, one game it's not. That, that to me, that's like that's what 50% means to me. It's like, um, I mean, I've had I don't have like terrible knees, but I play basketball long enough that my knees aren't great. And on a good day when I play basketball now, it's like I can feel like okay, yeah, I can get a little bit of elevation here. I can get a little bit of uh, you know a f- first step up, a speed of my first step. And you know, some days I just can't. And and that's what it feels like felt like to me watching Zach Levine. How about you? Yeah, and I. They know so much better than we do. So if that number is real, to me, that that really changes how I look at the season. Because like you said, they started off so hot. But between all of the injuries and the COVID, I really feel like this team, I, I know I'm going to sound like Homer, not quite the top tier championship tier, but I feel like when they're all in sync, if they can be healthy, I feel like they are that, that – Miami Heat, Boston Celtics type of contender. Whereas when we looked at the playoffs this year, um, we or you know going in the season, we expected it to be the Bucks and the Nets here, and you know just the season worked out perfect for the Celtics and the the Heat to end up in this position. I think the Bulls, when healthy, they can be that. So to me, 
seeing how good this team was when it was everything running on all cylinders or mostly cylinders because we didn't even have Patrick Williams then really. To me, I think it's it's an A minus for me. But mm. I know what you were getting ready to get into the negative, so I'll let you go before I, I no, really no, go negative. No, no. What you, so what you're saying there leads perfectly because when you look, okay, so you think about the Miami Heat. When you think about the Miami Heat, you think about you know hashtag Heat culture, right? It's like these guys, um, you know, have no, they're selfless. They play with for each other. They play as a team. They play as a unit. There's no individual that stands out. Jimmy Butler is the best player, but it doesn't matter. Um, he can miss a game just like in their last game in the playoffs, and they still win. You think about the Celtics and their identity is Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I mean, it's a two-man game. Those two guys, it, everything kind of rests on them. And then there's defense, right? And their defense is incredible. And, and watching their defense at times is just is just amazing. Their offense can be putrid at times, like you said before, uh, and it was in that last game. But uh, I think in general, there's an identity there. So the Bulls, what's our identity, you know? Where do we stand? And like you said before, you know, we've got guys, we've got DeMar DeRozan, uh, Vucevic, we've got uh, Levine who are kind of in that, you know, Levine's a little younger, but basically that 30-year-old year range. We've got Patrick Williams. We've got Kobe White. We've got uh, Ayo DeSumo, who are in the, you know, obviously way younger range. So is this a team that, you know, we're looking to to compete here in the next few years, which obviously I think that's the goal. Is this a team where we're looking to develop those guys that are younger? You know, what, what's our identity here? I don't feel like this Bulls team yet has an identity. I think, you know, we did some things well. We played in transition particularly well, I felt like. You know, we were one of the top teams as far as uh, creating offense in transition. We were one of the bottom teams in terms of defending the transition. So, you know, what what is our what is our identity, Trey? If I was to put, put that question to you, would you have a definitive answer for me? What is it or, or what do the Bulls, what would the Bulls like for it to be? It's a good. It's a good distinction. I think it, because you know, I think if yeah. you look at the beginning of the, at the start of the season, it was an aggressive attacking defense with your guard with the perimeter with the perimeter play, and focused on getting out in transition, getting you know getting th- you know getting out quick, and when the ball you know came to a stop, you have Zach and you have Demar to to play with, and you had Lonzo and Caruso as kind of like the connective tissues, you know, the guys that are those secondary passes. So to me, I think if you, what the Bulls want to be is very much like a, an aggressive defense with, you know, just like getting out and running and being able to depend on Zach to be that three level scorer that we know he can be, because as much as we loved watching DeMar this year, when Zach's on, DeMar can make the, you know, insanely difficult shots, but they are insanely difficult shots that he's taking, and they're not high percentage. Zach, when he's going 100%, he can get wide open looks anywhere on the court whenever he wants to, and he's he's 27 years old. You know, he's just getting ready to enter his prime. I think I think this is like everything's coming together for him. If if he can get that knee healthy, I really think he can be the closer on offense for this team. And if we can get Lonzo back healthy, if we can get Caruso in there, we get Patrick Williams in there with him. You know, Javante Green, he he's a menace on the defensive end. Io didn't even bring him up, all rookie second team. I think this team really wants to be active on defense to kind of hide Vooch and then use him and his Vooch's spacing to just attack on offense. Um, and yeah, that's going to be a guy, uh, obviously, that's going to come up this offseason quite a lot. I'm sure he's going to be involved in tons of trade rumors. Um, you know, Bulls fans are very 
up and down on him, mostly down, I would say, um, because, you know, he had some really great games. And I think he's been, especially in those playoffs, man, he was really integral uh, to what the Bulls were trying to do. Uh, but when he had bad games, it was very, very apparent, right? It was like something that like you could point to and say, oh, obviously Vooch didn't have a good game. I did see a graph earlier today, too. You know, we like those little head graphs where it's like a scatter plot of all the players. Uh, and it's showing you different things. And this one was Shout about out B-ball uh, index. Mo- more yeah, B-ball likely. index does those. Yeah, probably. I think it was a B-ball index one. Um, but it was showing us, uh, you know, threes. The openness of your threes was on the uh, x x uh, axis. On the y axis was uh, three point playmaking or, or shot making ability. And Vooch was like bad. <laughs> like like Russell Westbrook was like like way in the bottom right corner, which is the bad area. And then Vooch was like towards him, like down but the openness was kind of like in between. So he was relatively open compared to some of the worst ones, but his shit, you know, shot making ability from the three was down. So, and I know that's something a lot of Bulls fans are about, you know, and it's kind of stupid to say, just get in the post and bang and, 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 you know, get, get the ball in the post and don't shoot any threes anymore. That's not what you need to do. Um, it's all dependent on the situation. And, and uh, you know, there were a lot of situations where boot shooting a three made a lot of sense. So I don't want him not shooting those shots. But he needs to make those shots at the same time, and um, he struggled this year. I mean, there's no, there's no two way, you know, there's no other way around it. He had a hard time making that three point shot this year, uh, which I think did affect him offensively in other areas. Yeah, he only shot 32 percent this year, which is seven percent lower than last, or yeah, eight percent lower than last year. It looks like so he really struggled from out there, and you know, you just hope that it's a down year because he's traditionally been a little bit higher than that. But even even if he's not knocking them down, we saw whenever he, even if he can just knock down one or two in the playoffs, it made a huge difference because they had to respect him when he was out there. And to me like that, that's the difference, but you mentioned he's going to be the big topic this off season and he's going to be an expiring contract this next year. He, he's yep. shown a willingness to sign contracts that decrease in value So that is something to maybe look towards. You know, he might be willing to sign a very team-friendly contract in the future, especially if he likes it. But to me, you have have to be willing to to move him, especially if Mm. something comes available. Yes. I've been the biggest Vooch supporter this year that there there has been, basically, I think. Um, I still – I don't want to say he, you know, he doesn't, he obviously is to blame for a lot of the defensive lapses where it looks like, but a lot of it is also, we expected him to have dominant perimeter defenders in front of him to kind of hide that. And we've kind of just let him be exposed. So to me, I, I, I just think he, he's the unfair scapegoat for, Mm -hmm. for a lot of it. Yeah, It, it is unfair. Um, he does. He's not to blame for every single you know, Bulls loss. That's that's ridiculous. He's not. So here's here's my here's my take on, on Vucevic. I love Vucevic. I love him as a player. Um, what I don't love him here, Trey in Chicago, is his fit next to Demar Derozan and Zach Levine. And you know I've been saying here since at least the start of this season, after we uh, signed Demar Derozan, that I thought looking at the the contracts and how everything lined up. The goal of this year, this past season, was to make Zach Levine happy and to sign on the dotted line to get him to re-sign. So for me, uh, you know, I know I gave the Bulls a C-plus grade for the season, you know, just based on their play. But if I was to give a grade, you know, just intellectually, 
for the Bulls this for this past season, it's kind of TBD. It's still up in the air because I need Zach to sign with us. I need Zach to see that the Bulls are willing to build a contender around him. And one of the one of the things that gives me heart here and gives me hope is that the Bulls have gone on record a couple times. Uh, I believe it was Mark Eversley or or, uh, or a tourist that said this um, that they are willing to go into the to the uh, luxury tax, which is would be only the second time in franchise history that the Bulls have gone to the luxury tax. Believe it or not, uh, as much success as we had in the '90s, we didn't spend a lot of money. It's just something that Jerry Reinsdorf has been opposed to because he's just who he is, I guess, uh, just a, a penny pincher uh, type of of owner. But you know, the fact that they've said that openly. It gives me a lot of hope here, Trey, because that lets Zach know, again, we're willing to build a contender around you. We're willing to give you that max offer, willing to bring in even other people outside of that to make this successful. But going back to Vooch, I just don't think he's a great fit next to DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. And if I, I have to imagine that the Bulls are going to roll next next season and even perhaps the following season, which I believe is the last season on DeMar's deal uh, with those two people. I just don't think it's a great fit. So that's that's the only reason I don't like Vooch, quote unquote. It's not that I don't like him as a player. It's not that I think he's a bad player. I think he's a fantastic player. I think I'm in the right system, on the right team. In Orlando, he was a, an MVP candidate, in my opinion. Uh, they just didn't win enough games for him to really get there. Um, but I would rather see, I think, like a Mitchell Robinson, or I'd rather see, uh, you know, uh, 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 the guy in Indiana. I'm, I'm spacing his name now. Miles Turner. Uh, you know, obviously Rudy Gobert. Turner, I would the, like the more one. than more than Robinson. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, I, I just, I kind of disagree on that. I, I feel like Demar Derozan and his lack of willingness to step outside the three-point line just clogs up the spacing no matter who you're going to have in there at the center role. I thought Vooch and Zach worked really well on that empty corner pick and roll. And, I mean, even him and DeMar as well. But to me, I, I more worry about – so say you bring in Mitchell Robinson, who literally his his guy doesn't ever have to leave the paint. So The, the Bulls need no, need no shooting. Yes, there's no, no doubt, right. doubt about that. I, yeah. I don't – I can't – I think that's a worse combination because – so you've got DeMar and you've got Zach. Neither one. I don't. I don't trust either one of those guys to be able to throw a lob pass over a double team to the the rolling Mitchell Robinson to take advantage of you know that that defender not having to respect Mitchell Robinson whatsoever as an offensive threat except for the lob. So to me, I feel like if you if we move Vooch, it has to be unless Demar is going to be willing to step outside behind that three point line a little bit more like he did that. I think that first, those first couple of years in San Antonio, I think you have to have a guy that offers some spacing beside Demar. The bulls absolutely need more shooting. That is that, that'd be the second thing for me. Um, I don't think you necessarily, I mean, if you look at the guys, if you look at the teams that are in, you know, the playoffs still, um, I mean, obviously you've got the Mavericks, everyone on the Mavericks excited for Dwight Powell can shoot the three. Um, so, the, you know, they can all create space for, for Luka Doncic. That's kind of a unique situation in my opinion. But you look at the, you know, the uh, Miami Heat, you've got Bam Adebayo, doesn't really shoot threes. You've got Jimmy Butler, doesn't really shoot threes. You know, the, it's the same kind of thing in my in my opinion. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Butler is more of a perimeter player. Um, he does get going downhill, draws a lot of fouls. Um, he's very, very similar to DeMar DeRozan in that way. So you've paired him the, with Bam Adebayo. So... Yeah, one th- one thing I would I would point out with that. So I think a lot of that success. You remember early in the season, the Bulls they didn't shoot. They were like one of the wor- lowest percentage of their shots were from three point. 
But in terms of how well they were shooting, they were like the best mm-hmm. team in the league for a while at shooting the three-point ball. And that wasn't necessarily because they had a lot of knockdown shooters, but that was that aggressive defense getting out in transition. And what happens when you're you're getting stops and you're getting turnovers is you're getting open looks and you're getting shots in rhythm. Yeah, the shot quality just goes up. And you're exactly right. This, when it comes to the playoffs, you you either need to be able to knock down shots or you have, you mentioned the Miami Heat. They've got. They have Jimmy Butler and Bam, but they also have that defense that really just creates yes. things for them. Like defense you watch that game against the Celtics, they they won that game because of the the ball pressure, the turnovers, and just that relentlessness. Even though Jimmy Butler wasn't in, so to me, as much as as much as I would like to have more shooting, I I need Zach. And this was my big negative from the year with Caruso out, with Lonzo out. Zach really got exposed on the defensive end. And part of that might have been his knee because he did look good in the Olympics. And he looked pretty good early on in the season when he was guarding, you know, the worst guy on the floor. But we need this defense, especially if they're going to be undersized, to play on a string and to get. And I think if we can get that, the shot quality goes up, the three point percentage goes up and it just gives DeMar and Zach even more room to work. And Lonzo Ball is so important here. He's so important to what you're talking about, Trey. And, you know, we we talked about it a lot on this show. And, you know, I was listening to that um, LeVar Ball and, and uh, uh, David Kaplan interview, and they both mentioned it too. You know, it's just he's so important. He's the he's the, the key to the machine. He gets it going. And I think a lot of people, you know, across the league that aren't Bulls fans that, that didn't watch his team, you know, 24-7 every single game, um, they don't really see that and they don't really understand that because they just look at the box score sometimes and they look at the numbers and, and, and you know, Lonzo Ball is not putting up impressive numbers. He, he'll have a triple-double here and there, um, you know, and sometimes he'll be able to score a lot of points if he hits threes at a, at a high rate. Um, but outside of that, it's not something where you, you look at the box score and you're gonna, or look at the highlights even. Uh, well, I won't say highlights, but if you look at the box score, you're not going to say, oh, you know, th- that's that's the guy. That's one of the, the really key dudes on the team. Um, but him him and Alex Caruso, they're the same way in, in that sense, isn't it? In that they just create so much offense and in qu- shot quality, you know, good looks off of the defense and off of that perimeter defense. So not having that, like you're saying, Trey, was just such a, a, a terrible thing to happen to the Bulls. Uh, and we looked so awful there for like a couple of months. I was I'm really impressed and happy with the uh, effort we gave in the playoffs. So that's why, you know, I think if they would have just faltered and, and got swept in the playoffs, um, I might have given this like a C or a C minus for the Bulls for the season for me. But just seeing them, you know, really give that heart and that hustle in the playoffs uh, brought up to C plus for me personally. So, you know, I think I'm in agreement with you basically in that uh, defense is, is is really key too. Uh, I still want to see them ahead shooters though. I think our shooters are just absolutely dreadful, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> they, they, they weren't great, but, Again, you mentioned Lonzo. He he shot, I think, seven threes a game, 40%. When he was playing, he was getting talk for all defensive team along with Caruso. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't even mention the part you were saying where he is kind of the lifeblood of this defense. He, If you think about like him in, as a computer, his, the way he processes what's happening on the floor is just so quick. He knows when to make the right – you know, he knows what pass he's going to make before he even gets the ball so he can just whip it – and just keep that defense bending and breaking, basically. And when you look up just like um, like high quality passes and things like that, he's somewhere in the top 25 in the league. He's just 
He's so valuable to this team, and he's just you, – you said it yourself. He's the key that unlocks everything. He really is, and – Yeah. That I just – I want really – I, I want – like, I try <clears throat> – coming into this podcast, you know, I tried – I knew we were going to talk Zach, and I'm, I'm looking at the trades, and I'm trying to talk myself into, well, you know, maybe it won't be that bad if Zach leaves. I really think if this team is healthy, they can play with anyone, and – I just I really want to see this team come back, and that includes Zach. But yeah, as much as that includes Zach, that includes Lonzo and his knee, and I think he is just as important to this team as Zach Levine. Yeah, and like I said, I think if the if Zach does leave uh, in free agency for whatever reason, even if it's a sign and trade, I think that's an L. I think that's uh, that makes this season an L too, because I think the whole point of this season was again prove to Zach that you want to build a contender around him and, uh, and get him to sign the dotted line. So I think that was the goal here. Uh, and if we don't do that, it, we failed. And then that, that's just my opinion. I think that's that was the, the goal of the front office. Uh, I could be reading the situation wrong. Um, what I thought was the championship um, you know, window would open up, not even next season, but the season beyond that, um, You know, the second year of Zach's new deal. Uh, and you probably have Vooch off of it. You have DeMar off of it. Uh, you'd run him with guys like Patrick Williams and, and probably maybe uh, some guys that fit a little bit better in my opinion uh with the bulls basketball but um and you still got lonzo because i think lonzo's any four-year deal if i'm not if i'm not mistaken this is this is just off the top yeah. of my head it could be it could be a three-year deal okay um so anyways you still got lonzo too um but folks here real quick i want to go ahead and just tell you Fantasy basketball is not happening, but there is no such thing as a fantasy off fantasy off season. Only the pre-draft season, and here at Sports Ethos, this pre-draft season has already begun. Our export analysis, our churn analysts, sorry, are churning out important lessons learned and draft analysis on incoming rookies, so you can get a jump on your prep. And we'll have incredible free agency and summer league coverage as well. But only if you're part of our premium member team. Head to sportsethos.com now and click on the premium tab to grab a fantasy pass today. Seriously, cook yourself one extra lunch per month because it's only $5.99. See you there. Um, so, yeah, go to uh, Fantasy Basketball. I've just signed up for another Dynasty League. I'm like a freaking fantasy nut, so uh, it, it's a lot of fun. These guys do uh, great work. Go get that fantasy pass for sure. Um, uh, b- before we, I know yeah. we're, we're wrapping things up a little bit, but before we go, Derek Jones Jr., he's an unrestricted free agent. Assuming we keep Zach, so we're going to be over the cap, so it's not it's not get, doing us any good to let him walk. How much money is too much money for Derek Jones Jr.? He made nine point seven million this year. To me, well, that's too I'm, much. <laughs> to me, I'm setting it at at that ten million a year. Wow. Okay. I would do I would do three like two years twenty million. Ten ten million a year. Because I mean, at that point you play next year with him and at that after that year he's an expiring at 10 million mm-hmm. and so what do you what would you say on Derek Jones Jr. I'm not I don't I'm not paying him to I think that first that contract he got was just it, it's just he's such a limited offensive player um I think he offers a lot on a defensive end he shot really well from the field this past season which really impressed me um so I might be in the wrong here um but you know i'm just gonna stick with my gut on this one i think that's just too much i mean if he's willing to take like six seven eight million a year um for maybe a couple years i think two years would probably be perfect because that makes him expiring alongside you know demar DeRozan's and and so you're Uh, going two years 16 is your max i think that's probably my max yeah yeah okay so uh troy brown jr he's a restricted free Mm. agent for me i'm saying go go find yourself a deal and we'll see if we want to match it yeah, 
Yeah, that's probably true. And I don't think he's going to find a lot of deals. I don't think he's wild a lot of people in the league. Um, I think he had a lot of opportunity with the Washington Wizards, and I was kind of high in the kid coming in. I, I was actually happy the Bulls grabbed him because I thought he showed a lot of uh, versatility and he could be like a kind of a Swiss Army type knife for our team. But I feel like Io DeSumo just fills that role already. And if Io can just increase his, his shooting and his ball handling a bit, I think he can beat Troy Brown Jr. easily. So I don't think uh, Troy Brown's anyone I want to hold on to personally. What about you? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, he does have good size. He's got good handle. Um, he does have pretty good passing vision. So it, in terms of a breaking case of emergency guy to try, I, I don't mind having him as like the 12th guy because I do feel yeah. like he, I feel like he's a good perimeter Swiss army knife with some size. Mm. So, you know, if you can keep him, you know, 5 million a year, 6 million a year, that's about as high as I go, but he is real young. I think he's only like 22, 23. Mm. So, you know, three years, three years, 16 million, something like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I mean, you know, you can pretty much sign anyone in the league that's, you know, somewhat worthy to that kind of contract. I wouldn't be upset about it. So that's just a very reasonable contract. So I, I wouldn't be upset about it. And, I thought, and like I said, I think I think he actually showed it really well. I mean, this is off the top of my head. I haven't looked at his numbers, but um, his three-point shooting, I feel like, was, was probably the best of his career, if I'm not mistaken, this year, um, or maybe up there. Um, yeah, it was tied. It was tied yeah. for. But non-corner three, he was he did shoot 38% on non-corner threes. That was yeah. 80th percentile in the league. Yeah. And that's one thing I really value in a player is their ability to shoot above the break threes. Because as much as we value that corner three, you know, it's the best shot in the league. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants the corner three. It's also the shot that most people specialize in. So if you can find a guy who can really stretch the floor but with those above-the-break spacing, I, I think that that is valuable. So let's talk about this here, Trey. The Bulls have been linked, uh, according to – I can't remember who I now, but uh, they've been linked to Matisse Thibel. Uh, oh, sorry, Sean, Sean Devaney of uh, somewhere or other. Who knows where he's from? Uh, but he, they've been linked to Matisse Thibel because Mark Eversley uh, obviously has some, you know, uh, familiarity with him, you know, due to being in Philadelphia. And uh, I like Matisse Thibel. Um, I think he's one of those guys that like fantastic perimeter defender. If you get a three from him or, or he's shooting well from three, it's like a bonus, but that's not ever, that's not like a given, like he's not necessarily a reliable three point shooter and he doesn't really contribute anything else on offense. Um, so I'm kind of lukewarm on on the idea of bringing Matisse, Matisse Thibel in. I think it'd be fine. I, I'd be willing to try it out and, and okay with it. I just feel like, you know, you're bringing in another, basically, Javante Green or Derek Jones Jr. That's what I, that's the way I view it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. So a, a, a guy who, who who is not, who is better defensively and not as good offensively as either of those two guys. So yeah. to me, if you can get him for a second round pick, I don't hate it, but I'm not I'm not excited about it. I really think I think Ben Simmons not playing really exposed him a little bit this year. I know he made all defensive, I think, second team. I didn't think he deserved to be on there. I was a Herb Jones guy myself, but right. I think having him beat behind him really helps. But not having Ben Simmons, I thought we you saw Thibel get beat a lot more often. I thought it was very hit or miss. Um think high-end Westbrook defense, you know, if Westbrook was a capable defender, is kind of what I saw from Thibel this year. And having Vucevic as the backline defender, I'm not sure he's the guy you want covering up the mistakes. 
Yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't move the needle for me. I'm I'm pretty lukewarm on it. Um, you know, if the Bulls go out and get them, like you said, if it's for something like a second round pick or or you know whatever, I mean, uh, maybe we trade you know turnaround junior or something for them. Like, I, you know, fine. I'm not gonna like be upset about it, but it's not. It doesn't move the needle for me. So uh, yeah, that, it's not necessarily something I'm super excited about. Uh, and I feel like Danny Green's a better player in general, you know, for the Sixers and he's been getting the minutes over Thibel. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's just not, uh, Thibel is just 25. So maybe it fits our timeline a little bit better. Uh, I know Javante Green's what, 29, I think, uh, 28 turning 29. And then, uh, who did I say? Derek Jones Jr. I think he's what, 27, 28, somewhere in that range, I think. Um, so, so maybe it fits our timeline a little bit better to get like a, a younger guy that's like that, but uh, but yeah, it's not. I'm not super excited about it. Um, so let's end with this. Let's say, let's say the Bulls do sign and trade Zach Levine. You know, again, we've talked a little bit about this this program, but you know, who who would you want him? You know, who who are they trading him to? Who would you want to get back? Is there somebody that's out there that's a star that you feel like can be attained for a Zach Levine in a swap? Um, I mean, do you think you can get? So let me let me. Do you think you can get Bradley Beal for Zach Levine? Do I want Bradley Beal for Zach Levine? <laughs> I don't know the. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I I'm really trying to get that number four pick from Sacramento, and I'm trying uh-huh. to get Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Uh, is, is what Jade, I'm doing. High on Jaden Ivey, huh? Uh, I mean, high enough that I I like him better than. So when you look when you look at the teams he's linked to, because as much as we would love to trade him for Bradley Beal, Zach doesn't want to go play in Washington. Like he's going to go somewhere he wants to play. So Atlanta, you've got a Kongwu would be my target, my favorite target, like a Kongwu in the number sixteen pick. I'm not a big Collins guy. I don't think he moves the needle, but. You, if you get a Kongwu and the number 16 pick, I feel like you're stuck in that purgatory, that Atlanta Hawks, you know, from back in the 2000s with Al Horford and Josh Smith and all those guys. Um, same thing with Dallas, and even the Lake. And, you know, anywhere he goes, I don't feel like you're getting a chance at a superstar. But if you can move him to Sacramento and get that number four pick, if one of those three big guys falls, you know, Chet, Paolo, or um, – Jabari Smith Jr., obviously the Bulls would love to have any of those three, but I'm pretty sure those those three will be gone. But I think Jaden Ivey at least has the superstar potential that it's worth investing in. And it would, assuming you reset the whole timeline like I discussed earlier, mm. I think building around a Jaden Ivey, Alonzo Ball, a Patrick Williams, um, Io DeSumo with uh, Caruso as, you, you know, your veteran leadership – you, you, there's worse things in the world than that. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't think. I'm trying to think if there's anybody out there like on those teams. What Brunson on the Mavericks? No, no, I'm not. I'm not interested in Brunson. He right, doesn't shoot right. threes either. He doesn't. He doesn't space the floor either. You, you need a floor spacer if you're gonna have Demar Derozan. Like I don't. I don't hate so. Brunson. I think. I think he'd be a decent creator. But you know, you don't. To me, that's why I said I'm going for that number four pick. I'm I'm wanting you know I'm wanting a shot at a at a, a you know a big ticket item. Um, the Blazers, I think they had what the number seven pick is where they're at. Every so, like, Simons and the number seven pick. What about well, they're that? not moving Simons. Yeah. 
Probably. I, that's if we. I mean, if we could get that package for Zach, um, I do. I would do that happily, because yeah. I. I, 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 you know, I, I think that would be just really good value for him, if, especially if he wanted to go. You know, I'd even consider it if he didn't want to go. I think it's just that good of a package. But I don't see the Blazers giving that up, and they don't have anyone else to add to no. that number seven pick. And by number seven, I just feel like that, well, obviously you, there have been superstars drafted seven and later. I just feel like once you get past four or five, you're – you're picking in the scraps of that, you know, superstar potential kind of guys. It'd be kind of hilarious too for the Blazers to take that package because, like, they just get rid of McCollum to go ahead and get Zach Levine to pair with Demar- Damian Lillard. It's like you're in the same situation, and now you don't have that free time. So yeah, I, I don't, I just don't see it happening. Okay, la- last thing here, Trent. Bulls have the 18th pick in this upcoming draft. Um, any guys? I know I've seen a few here. Uh, you know, guys that we're linked to here, but any guys that you are excited about for the Bulls to draft at number 18? Oh, I'm not answering this question. This this podcast, I I have not done my draft research okay. yet. I, <laughs> that is actually my plan over the next few days. So the next time we come on, I will have five guys that I am targeting for the Bulls. But to me, I I just I don't know who's going to be available. Um, on that back end, uh, there's that, I think his name's Mark Williams from Duke, the center from Duke. He had those insane measurables. He's someone I'm looking at if, if, uh, Duran, I think is his name from Memphis. If he falls out of like the top five or six, if I'm the bulls, I, w- I would look to trade up for him. I think he's going to be a really special player, especially on the defensive end. He's a center. Uh, he would, you would like him a lot. Um, he's really the, he's my, he's, you know, my favorite this year. I just, I don't know who's going to be available. Who, who do you have? Um, I'm actually, I was looking for his name cause I, you know, I'm not well versed in, uh, in college basketball. There's a guy that we've been linked to. Um, I can't remember. Liddell. His name now. Your, yeah. Liddell, that's, Liddell? It, that's it. Liddell. Okay. Yes. Um, that's why I see everybody having us, uh, taking the mock drafts and I was looking at his, his, um, just, you know, kind of draft breakdown here and he looks like, you know, an undersized power forward. Plays defense, um, technically a three-level scorer, but doesn't really shoot threes. I, I just don't see that as a great fit for us, uh, given the situation. We need more shooting. Um, the defense would be nice. You know, a nice two-way player would be great. Um, but I think Patrick Williams is kind of that role that we're looking for here uh, that that he would fit. So uh, if it ends up being Lydell, uh, you know, I feel like that's like just a worse Patrick Williams that we're drafting there, and I'm just not really that interested in that. Um, so that's who I've seen is linked to the most, but, um, but yeah, I'll have to do some more research also. So just kind of a throw in there train just to see if you had any names for me, but, uh, we'll, we'll both do our research here. There, there's a, a Nikola jo- Jovic mm-hmm. who is from oh, Serbia, yeah, Nikola Jovic. Yeah, is yeah. someone that I like. And I like him just uh, because he has a name, obviously close to Nikola Jokic. So, you know, well, obviously he has to be good. <laughs> yeah. I, I spoke last year with a, a scout from over that way named Ignacio Rosado. Um, on a different podcast, he uh, Ignacio works for ID Prospects, and he was really high on on Jovic, on Nikola Jovic. Um, and another guy he was really high on the two other guys he was high on this last year was Shingun and Giddy. Uh, he really liked both of them, and uh, that translated. So uh, I trust his judgment. And if I'm the Bulls, uh, it looks like Jaden Hardy is dropping down draft boards. I I just went and did a quick scan. He played for the the G League Ignite. Coming into the year, he was expected to be a top five pick. So maybe, you know, interview him, see what happened, why he dropped. And he's a 6'4 guard. 
But if he's got that kind, if he had that kind of talent and, you know, he slipped for whatever reason, I, I think that if you can get a guy who might, you know, win the lottery that late in the first round, that that's something to look at. Well, let's talk about needs. The Bulls need size. The Bulls need shooting. That's my my two opinions here. But I would say I'd put, I'd put them in that order, size and shooting. So I'm looking at, you know, a backup center. Um, now, when you say size, you mean legit size. You don't mean you don't want another undersized four. Like, so when no, you say size, want, you don't want Liddell. I don't want Liddell. I want, somebody, I want somebody that maybe plays small forward and is tall, you know, six, eight or something for that for that uh, uh, position. I want somebody or, that's or a center. Right. Yeah, or a center, right? Or, or okay. an actual so backup Jovich center. Jovic is a center. He's six eleven. Jovic, yeah, Jovic would probably be. If it, based on what we're saying here, Jovic is probably my preferred target. Um, but you know, I, I think that shooting would be the secondary thing. So if they can get a guard that's a you know a, a decent scorer, just can shoot. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like Kobe White is the answer long term. I love Kobe as a person. Uh, I think he's done a lot of great things. I think you know even these last playoffs has just been you know shown that. Uh, he just he just struggles, I feel like, uh, in extended periods of time. And I just don't know if that's the guy we need uh, as a six-man off of our bench. How are you feeling about Kobe White these days? Can we trade him and somebody else for DeAndre Ayton? <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's get on the phone. I mean, I, I say that <laughs> half-joking, but if, if Ayton becomes available, yeah. Kobe White – and Chris Paul are super close off the court. Like Chris Paul is his mentor. And with Chris Paul leaving, you know, maybe you could talk them into that, especially if Aiden wants to leave it because of how the, the base salary works. It it's very difficult for him to move to the bulls. A third team has to be involved to take on some salary, but maybe you could move Vucevic and, and Kobe White and the 18th pick for, for Deandre Aiden. Yeah. I love it. But I love it. I'm not sold on Kobe other than being, you know, the the second guard off the bench and if he makes his shots he can stay in but yeah if we have lonzo zach io caruso patrick williams you know demar all healthy yeah he's fine to be on the end of the bench but if you can get any value for him in a trade i I think you you should do it yeah i'd rather i'd rather play all those guys so um but no it's it's awesome to talk bulls again i am excited that we're back um we're gonna try to get you guys you know, at least a few shows here. We're probably going to take a little bit more of a break here. Um, but as we get closer to the season, I know Trey will be joining me here. Uh, you know, hopefully we're coming back in a week. I just promised them that we were going to come back in a week and I would have my five draft guys. Well, there we back. go. Now, now so, we've got, we've got our we've show. Got the draft show next week. We've got our concept. We've got, okay. Now I got to do some research. Dang, dang you. Uh, yeah, that's all good. Uh, we can definitely do that. Uh, no, we'll, we'll definitely have some shows for you guys. And then I, I know next season, you know, for the, the game recaps, we, we might uh, go a little bit light on that with Trey, but uh, I'll definitely be here for you guys. And uh, we'll see if we can maybe add a third voice here, but uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, no, I'm excited to talk Bulls again with you, man. And just excited to be back. And, and uh, you know, this, this baby, new baby's kicking my butt. But uh, even though I've got no sleep, I've got all the time for the Bulls. So uh, that's just how how much of a diehard I am. So, <laughs> um, but hey, hey, until next time, guys. I am Keith Gork. You can find me on Twitter at at bsbp keith uh, at bsbp keith. Trey, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter at final finally. And man, it it really was nice to be back to talk some Bulls. And I just have to say, you are just 
we took all this time off and you were just like so smooth as a host. You, <laughs> you always have been when we had Hayes on, I I messaged him after and we me and him talked about just how smooth you were you were with the ad reads and keep it moving. You're just keep it moving. You're just such a pro, man, and just pro. it's good to be back, and I cannot wait to talk more Bulls basketball. Absolutely, man. And, uh, guys, go show, go follow the show, guys, at, at Ethos Bulls, at Ethos Bulls, and uh, we're going to bring you some more great content. Uh, going to have some just excellent stuff up here for you guys in this upcoming season. We're going to try to get somebody that's a little bit more hands-on with the graphics and stuff like that, be a little bit more engaged on Twitter, uh, all this good stuff. Uh, just got to you know get it all sorted, but uh, we're excited, man. We're Bulls fans until we die. Hope you guys are too. Follow us and, and come along this journey with us. But, yeah. Until next time, we're Bulls.